Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Peter and Tulum, a big offseason for the Los Angeles Rams with a young buddy team being about. Cooper Cup walks it out of the air and gives the Rams the lead. LaMarcus Joyner returns to the lineup with an interception in London. Midfield Farrell Cooper in the Jacks territory. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown LA! Malcolm Brown, no, it's Goff who keeps it. And Goff goes crashing into the end zone. Pressure. The ball's knocked out. Aaron Donald, a strip sack. 35-30. Robert Woods, first down 20. 10-5. Touchdown. LA on third down and 33. He's sacked again at the six. It's Michael Brockers who gets there with Matt Longacre. Savage had it knocked out. He's decked by Ibukov. Locked the ball, intercepted. Corey Littleton at the 45 of L.A. And Todd Gurley, 20, 10, Gurley for MVP, touchdown L.A. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome back, guys, to another Downtown Rams live podcast. It's just me. I'm Jake Allen Bogan here to bring you guys Rams news and commit to basically what has turned out to be an awesome time uh, recording these live podcasts. Unfortunately, today I'm going to have to pull through this one, guys. This you, you remember the Michael Jordan flu game? And I mean, if you don't, I don't blame you. I wasn't even alive. But Michael Jordan's flu game basically is he had the flu and he went off in the game and it, it, it was a big deal. So right now, I'm not feeling my best. I don't have a co-host. So I'm just going to have to pull through this, power through this, and uh, you know pump out the content that I really want to you know share with you guys today. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm going to ask that you bear with me. This might not be the longest podcast ever, but I wanted to make sure, nonetheless, regardless of how I feel, I just wanted to make sure you, know, you guys who are counting on Rams content on a Monday – uh, Monday night, it is 10.04 here in New York, um, 7.04 where uh, most of my listeners are in Los Angeles or you know anywhere near that area, um, so I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, you know let's talk some, some Rams football. Um, before I get into it, if you like what you hear, 
Uh, make sure to tell somebody. Leave a uh, review. Uh, leave a comment. Leave a five star review. Um, it really appreciate. I would really appreciate it. It really helps out the podcast as well as your subscription to the podcast. Uh, when you subscribe, that podcast will instantly download to your phone as soon as it's ready. So after this live podcast, it should download immediately. Um, I am really excited to uh, be able to share some of my thoughts with you guys, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, it's not, it's not going to be the easiest one. Um, I'm not going to lie, uh, but, you know, we'll make it through this. So um, thank you guys for, for tuning in, and, you know, without further ado, we had some pretty big news this week. Um, the Rams have, in in my in my opinion, I think you can make the argument It'd be safe to say the Rams have stayed relatively pat. Um, <laughs> they haven't really gone out and really done anything. Um, their loan signing, aside from re-signing their own, uh, was Sam Shields, a cornerback who is he's had a pretty nice career, but he did not play at all in 2017 um, and has dealt with concussion issues and has considered retirement. He signs on a $1 million deal for one year. And now, you know, the Rams have been connected to Terrell Pryor, Ryan Grant, so two wide receivers from Washington. Um, at the end of the day, it looks like Grant was minimal interest. Uh, Vinny Bonsinger of the LA Daily News has since really said and, and, and basically explained that the Rams don't have significant interest in Grant. Now, those of you who are looking for somebody to replace the Sammy Watkins role, um, somebody that's going to have that six foot one put together frame um, that can run four four speed down the field, I think Josh Reynolds is your best bet in house. Um, he's four five speed, but he's six three, and I mean, he's not exactly as big as Sammy. He's he's taller. Uh, but he's not really filled out like Sammy. Um, so I, I think Josh Reynolds, you know, is your best in-house fit. Um, the thing with Ryan Grant, Grant is not a speed guy. So Grant has that, he's he's about six foot one, but he's not really much of a speed guy. He actually ran in the, the four sixes. So I, I didn't really see that being a fit anyway. Somebody like Terrell Pryor that has that, ginormous body and frame to him. I totally got that. Um, but we haven't really heard anything aside from that report that came out that the Rams were interested in, in Terrell Pryor. We haven't really heard anything going off that. Um, we've seen a lot of uh, players being uh, linked to the Rams starting to really pick it up. I mean, you know, you have those two guys. And now Mike Davis is going to meet with the Rams um, the former running back for the 49ers who went to the Seattle Seahawks. He's 25 years old. Um, he's kind of a, I mean, he's not going to start for you, but I think he could be a contributor. Um, so look for him. Um, there's a good chance he would end up signing. I think he could be relatively cheap. He's young. And if the Rams don't have the confidence in Malcolm Brown or Justin Davis to be that backup, um, this is kind of, in in my words, I would probably say this is really like putting your, you know, insurance together and, you know, in case you're you don't get that guy you want in the draft, in case you were targeting a 
a higher tier guy in free agency who's now gone. Um, you know, getting somebody like Mike Davis kind of it to me it it's a little bit close to the lines of grabbing Lance Dunbar. Um, but you know, nonetheless, I I still think you know he's younger. And uh, he showed um, some ability last year uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. So he's kind of like that underrated signing. Not really like Lance Dunbar. I mean, kind of, but he's not exactly as injury prone. And uh, he probably has more upside at this point in his career. So Mike Davis is an interesting one. But the big one here, guys, is Ndamukong Sue. Now, I've heard a lot of people, and by here, I mean, it's really just been social media. So I've seen... (laughs) <laughs> what you guys have to say, a lot of people, what they have to say. And and look, I totally understand a lot of people don't align. Um, they, they don't really align themselves with, the you know, his off-the-field antics, um, which I think that is, in that regard, I think it's more on the field. Um, you, you talk about somebody that has stepped on Aaron Rodgers' head before. Um, that's on the field, not really off the field. And Sue is an ambassador off the field. That's all I was hearing, um, just doing my research. Indomitian, who was highly respected around the league, he tends to snap on the field, um, but he is well-respected around the league, and um, he is well-liked. This is somebody that donated a ton of time to charities as soon as he entered this league. So he is very well-liked off the field, and that goes back to his time with Nebraska. Um, so I, I do think that, um, I, I, I do think, I mean, it, and I'm not saying it's, it's not that he doesn't deserve to be, you know, having that type of, uh, that type of opinion about him because I mean, he has stepped on Aaron Rodgers head. I mean, countless other times, I think he choked, uh, Ryan Mallett on a, it was a primetime game. He just reached out and started choking him, which I mean, again, that's kind of weird. And I, I don't really know why he does that, but you know, you know, once you get off the field, there's really no issues with him. It's just uh, he's a different, different guy. You know, in that on that gridiron, and I mean, some guys are like that. He obviously will need to cool it, and if the Rams are gonna pay him a lot, he's really gonna need to cool it. Um, look, I totally understand. You know, there's gonna be some caution because you have Marcus Peters, who is very hot-headed on the field, um, and is an elite talent. You have Aqib Talib, who is an elite talent but can be hot-headed off the field, on the field. Um, you know, somebody that will poke you in the eye. Um, he will rip your chain away. Uh, I mean, I don't want it, you know, my cornerback to be a model citizen. I don't want him to just sit there and get picked on. I want him to get inside my receiver's head, but sometimes he goes a little too far. But, you know, those are two elite talents that do have that issue of being too aggressive on the field. And then when you look at, uh, basically, when you look at Indomitian Sue, I can totally see that, you know, that, that worry where, you know, you put three elite guys on the same field that have that type of, you know, on, on the field type of aggression. Now, I don't think that's going to be the case. I really don't. And it could be wishful thinking on my part. You could see a dust up here and there for Peters and Tlaib, but all in all, you need to keep in mind um, Peters was not on a winning team. Kansas City was not taking the next step, okay? Um, they had an authoritarian as a coach, kind of like a Jeff Fisher in Andy Reid. He's more old school. 
you have somebody like Sean McVay that's going to vibe very well with this young locker room, his young players. Sean McVay is not much <laughs> I don't even believe he's older than a keep to live. I think they're the same age. So, you know, in reality, um I just don't think that that's going to be much of an issue because of who is surrounding these players. And then you look at Wade Phillips. Yes, he's in his 70s. No, he does not act like a 70-year-old authoritarian. He's very laid back, and everyone loves to play with him. He's a guy that just lets you be yourself. And as long as you're um, you know, going to go to war every day for your team, as long as you're willing to put in the work and produce at a high level, there's no reason any coach should have a problem with that. As long you know, as you're not costing your team, see, that's when, once you start costing your team, that is when a coach should have a problem with your antics. Until then, no, I don't, I don't believe that would be the case. But, you know, that that's my take on that. Um, I do think Tlaib Peters will be fine. Now you add Indomitian Sue. Indomitian Sue is not the young Indomitian Sue that he was coming off of the Detroit Lions and hitting free agency. Like that whole, it was kind of ludicrous at the time, but that talk that maybe the Rams might be interested. Um, now he's 31, but still in Dominican Sioux, let's, let's not discount how good he's been. Um, Pro Football Focus rated him the number five interior defensive lineman in all football. Um, that was this year. That was one of his best seasons, according to PFF. This was one of his best seasons in a year where I felt like he still got extremely underrated. This is an elite talent. I mean, I said this on the podcast, it was about a week ago, and I said the Rams, that they get Ndamukong Sue, I would assume that this would be a lot like a Nick Fairley deal. Let's not forget, Nick Fairley was in the same free agency class as Ndamukong Sue when Sue left for Miami. Fairley was the second highest free agent remaining, according to ESPN. They graded them. And... We did not expect Nick Fairley to sign with the Rams. Just did not expect it. So when that happened, there was a little bit of a shock. It was a $5 million deal with incentives that could go up to $10 million for one year. Now, I lean towards the idea that that is going to be the Sioux deal. And I'll make my bold prediction right now. And I think, yes, absolutely, Indomitian Sioux will be a Los Angeles Ram. I think their track record of having guys take visits and then signing shortly after, I think really speaks for itself. When you have created this winning culture out of nothing for basically the last 10 years, and you have this one 30-year-old head coach, 31-year-old head coach that comes in and basically flips the script, and now you're a Super Bowl contender, yeah, I do believe you'll get an Indominus Sue along the way. And I don't think it'll stop there. Because the more and more this happens, you know, they're going to have to, you know, like in the NBA, for instance, when you have that that big three team. So you have, you know, LeBron James and, and Chris Bosh and uh, Dwayne Wade on the Heat. And if you remember, they didn't have a lot of money to really uh, spend on free agents. So they got a lot of these guys that you wouldn't expect to take the veteran minimum or, you know, sh- uh, a little bit more than the veteran minimum. And you got them to play for your team. And the reason, I mean, some people would call it ring chasing. I'd call it being smart. You know, <laughs> you you have, you know, you accrue all that money throughout your career. Like somebody like a, a David West, for those of you that follow the NBA, he was making about $11 million 
um, with the Hornets. Actually, no, it was with the, the Pacers. And he asked to uh, be released from that deal. And he took the veteran minimum to sign with a contender. I mean, that that the reason I bring that up, guys, and I, I don't follow the NBA as, as much as I used to, but the reason I bring that up is because I think it, it really explains what I'm trying to say about the NFL. You're going to see that with the Eagles. You're going to see that with the Rams. We see it all the time with the Patriots. Guys, the Rams are finally that team, and it's hard to believe, but they're finally that team where that big marquee free agent, that big name, you know, when he gets released in the middle of the season, you're thinking, why did that guy get released? That guy is going to now consider the Rams. And that is why it is so important to establish a consistent uh basically a consistent model of excellence, a consistent model of having a plan. So I think it's a one-year deal for Indomitian Sue. I think he signs on Thursday. So it's it's two days. Um, he's supposed to meet tomorrow. I think he'll sign on Thursday. So on the Thursday podcast with Joe and I, um, we will have details that Indomitian Sue has signed with the Rams. Now, I have no insider info that that's the case this is just a prediction so take it as you will for those of you just joining (laughs) don't assume that I know anything I mean I'm just no I'm just that guy making predictions shooting my shot and I think Indomitian Sue Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald basically solidifies that you just added the super sub in Dominic Easley you have Morgan Fox who played a significant amount of snaps Uh, People forget he did not play week 17, and that doesn't tell me anything, but this guy is very well respected, and he was needed for the playoffs. He was needed to be fully healthy and fully rested, so they basically sat him. That's a contributor right there. So they have uh, Tanzel Smart, a sixth-round pick. Who's to say they won't draft another one, you know, later in the draft? But, guys, I don't think they're going to need that nose tackle. I don't think they're going to need to put a lot of draft capital in a nose tackle. I think this is them saying, you know what? If we have Donald, if we have Brockers, Indomitian Sue as our starters, do we really need to go all in on, you know, making sure we have elite linebackers? You have that secondary. You're looking at now Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Nikel Ruby Coleman, uh, Sam Shields, Kayvon Webster, uh, Troy Hill, Kevin Peterson. So And that's not including the safeties, LaMarcus Joyner and John Johnson the third. So now you've added this secondary that's unreal. You just put an elite talent next to the best, the most elite talent at any... I would make the argument he's the best player in the league in Aaron Donald. And Michael Brockers, who's probably the most underrated player uh, in football, you know, at that defensive interior line position. So you have those three. And then you have... Morgan Fox, and then you have Ethan Westbrooks, and then you have um, Tanzel Smart and Dominic Easley, and now all of a sudden, you look and you're like, okay, this team has a lot of depth, and we don't need to spend uh, a nose tackle on Vita Vea in the first round. We don't need to spend um, a, a pick on Tim Settle in the third. This is a team now that can really allocate their needs towards outside linebacker and an inside backer. Now, I would make the argument, you're looking at, and I, I've been saying this, guys, Josh Sweat, 
out of Florida State. I think he's a perfect fit. I know people have a really big issue with his get-off, but he's an elite talent. You don't see many like him um, to be able to come back from that injury where he almost lost his leg. And I know some of you will, will still have that in the back of your mind, but he was cleared by every medical staff at the NFL Combine. See, that's enough for me because medical staffs, I mean, they always find stuff. Maurice Hurst, they found, I believe he has a heart condition. They found that with Star Lutulale. They found Robert Quinn's uh, brain tumor. I mean, they're basically as thorough as, you know, a fine-tooth comb. So I do not. Put, um, I, I will not, uh, you know, discredit the medical staff at the combine because they cleared Josh Sweat. That knee is good to go, and I think when you look at the way he was played with his hand in the dirt, um, pretty much as just a defensive end that that offered, um, you know, run support, uh, wasn't really asked to to rush the passers, a stand up pass rusher, which I think that would be his ideal. Um, scenario. I just think he wasn't used correctly at Florida State, and I'll stand by that statement. And I think he'd be perfect under Wade Phillips. Now you have Samson Ibukam. Um, you have Garrett Sickles, who signed for another year, I believe. He was a uh, exclusive rights free agent. Um, Matt Longacres a restricted free agent, and the Rams have the the. Um, right to first refusal, so they tendered him with that. Um, so I, I, I would assume since he hasn't, there's no buzz on him that he'll be back. And then you know they're still looking at um, signing Connor Barwin back. Um, so really they're going to, I think they're going to look at um, a couple guys. I think one of them is going to be their guy that they want to be a starter. So whether that's you know an Arden Key. Maybe Harold Landry falls. I wouldn't count on it. Um, somebody like that, then I think that's going to be where they go in the first round. But, you know, I think in the ideal scenario, I think you have to look. Um, I think you even have to look at offensive guard, offensive tackle. I really do. I think limiting yourself to certain positions um, is the wrong way to go. When you have a coaching staff like Wade Phillips, Sean McVay, Aubrey Pleasant, Joe Barry, um, you know Aaron Cromer, guys that have really shown the ability to develop players. I mean, you saw that firsthand last year. John Johnson developed into a very solid player. I did not expect that. I was not high on him in the draft, and I don't believe he just did that overnight. I don't believe he was that ready as soon. You know, he wasn't that ready to go right in the NFL right off the bat. I mean, it took him some time to develop. And when he did, he took over from Alexander and made him expendable. So in that regard, I feel like this coaching staff is good enough where you get just the guys you want. Look, I get, you know, this is operation. Let's, let's give the, uh, the, the shopping list to Wade Phillips. And now it's, it's his time uh, for his Christmas presents. Cause last year, you know, Sean McVay got them, but I would make the argument. You find the best players available and those are the guys that end up being the guys that those are the guys that you have to tag. Um, they're the ones that you have to sign to long-term deals. They're your key pieces. Aaron Donald was considered a luxury at the time. Okay. Greg Robinson was considered the need the, I would make the argument. The Rams made a mistake drafting Greg Robinson, number two, but not because of Greg Robinson, because they passed on Aaron Donald. 
The Rams are still always going to be that team that passed on Aaron Donald at number two. They had him at 13, but they got lucky because the Giants picked Odell Beckham Jr. at 12. And I still don't understand that because as great as Odell Beckham Jr. was at the time, that was not only a reach, but they had just let Linval Joseph go. So you let Linval Joseph go, defensive tackle, who is a stud, by the way, for the Minnesota Vikings. You let him leave in free agency, and then you're telling me that you're not going to draft the best defensive tackle and possibly the best defensive player and possibly the best player in the draft at 12 overall? Like, Donald fell into your lap, and you picked a receiver, and you overdrafted him. Now, I'm a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan. I think he's phenomenal. And don't get me wrong, it's looked good um, ever since. But it didn't make any sense back then. And that's still hard to say you would rather have a $20 million wide receiver than a $20 million defensive tackle that is basically scheme versatile in every facet of the term scheme versatile. So I guess really what I'm trying to say is that, look, I know a lot of you, oh, just go edge, just get linebackers, just do this, just do that. Okay, well, with Lorenzo Carter, for instance, I like him a lot. I think he's a third-round pick. I think he has a chance to be a very nice prototypical um, edge rusher. But I've been hearing that he should just be a first-round pick because we quote-unquote need edge rushers. Now, I'm not overdrafting for positional need. If I'm the Rams, I'm looking at this right now. Corey Littleton, Mark Barron can start at linebacker for me. I have all the pieces around. Really, what what needs to be done is just to sure up and do some fine, you know, fine tuning and everything. If Isaiah Wynn is sitting there at 23, you're going to tell me with his ability to play left tackle at one of the the most competitive positions, left tackle in an SEC team that went to the national title, you're going to tell me that you're going to pass on Isaiah Wynn that can play left tackle and he project, he projects very well to guard, so he has that versatility. He could play right tackle, uh, and then you could kick Havenstein in at right guard, and then all of a sudden, if, God forbid, Whitworth hits the wall, now you can you know move him to left tackle and see how that goes. I mean, when you watch the film, I think Isaiah Wynn, and I, I always say this, I feel like evaluators get so crazy with the idea of, oh, let's just move this guy in at guard. Well, he's never played guard. Oh, he just fits the part. I mean, Forrest Lamp is a perfect example. Last year at Western Kentucky, you look at him, and I mean, he had the same measurables um, as Zach Martin, who is an all-pro guard, and I get that. But he played left tackle, and he played it really well. Shut down Alabama edge rushers all day. Did a really nice job. So, you know, he just projected to guard and they moved in there, whatever. But, and, and I mean, he got injured and, you know, obviously didn't get a chance to really play. But my point is, if a guy really was able to play the, basically, the, the left tackle position at a high level with high competition, I mean, Wynn was playing the left tackle position I mean, in the national title game, and he was playing it well. So I don't worry about that at all. I think somebody like that falls at 23, I think you have to consider him. And I would also make the argument, 
you would have to consider uh, Will Hernandez, somebody that dominated. I mean, you know, you'd have to question. Well, I don't, I don't think you'd have to, but I've heard questions. Well, I don't want to draft a guy that came from UTEP, twenty-three overall. Okay, well, ha- have you watched him play? Because if you have, then yeah, you might want to consider that. Um, I could tell you, you know, from being at the Senior Bowl, um, Isaiah Wynn was playing with, I believe, a separated shoulder and did not move an inch. And Will Hernandez was another guy that just pushed everyone around. It was completely dominant. And I think those are two guys. I mean, those are those are guys when you look at Wiki. So, you know, every now and then, you know, my, my father and I will go through the Wiki uh, draft. And uh, the reason we do that is because it basically highlights all the players that are all pro or pro bowlers. And you get an idea of, you know, just in a quick look – who basically failed the draft and who didn't. And it's always fun, you know. <laughs> you you go through and you're like, oh, that that's great that the Rams passed up on Bobby Wagner to trade down so they could have an extra pick, and they picked Isaiah Pete. Okay, um, next. So it was it's a lot of that. But the reason I, I think it's funny is, uh, you know, with with, um, with the the wiki is that you'll find the, these guards and tackles that, you know, they're, they're not the sexiest pick in the first round. They're not your your number one wide receiver or your franchise quarterback or your star running back. But those are the guys that are always, like, the all pros. And they're right around the same pick the Rams are picking at 23. So I'm not saying let's let's go out and draft offensive linemen, but I am saying that, look, next year – it's going to be Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan, who are the oldest players on the offensive line. Those are the only guys that will be signed as far as starters on the offensive line. So you will need to find three starters if you don't bring them back. And those are Roger Saffold, who was considered the best guard in football uh, by um, – and now his name escapes me <laughs> – the, the NFL Network uh, offensive line guru. So that was great. Um so yeah, he was considered the best guard in the league. And that Baldinger, that that's who it was, Brian Baldinger. And then you have uh Jamon Brown and Rob Havenstein who are both young and they're both going to get a ton of money because you have to keep in mind that just just look at this offensive tackle class. The Giants gave Nate Solder 16 million a year. They made him the richest tackle in the league. And you know why? It's not because he's he's worth that. He's absolutely not worth that. But it's supply and demand. So, you know, now you have somebody like Nate Solder, um, who's by far the best, probably the most competent offensive tackle on the market. And then the next guy, it's not even close. So you think, okay, he's... He's average. He's a bit, a little bit above average. He's 28, 29 years old. Okay. And then you have to pay him $16 million because he is by far the best. So the issue with the Rams is that, you know, they could lose Havenstein and Jamon Brown because they're young. And being around, you know, Cromer, I think these guys are going to keep improving. And if this is another year where, you know, the offensive line class isn't as good as years passed, well, guess what? Someone that has a hundred million in cap—I mean, the Rams have a hundred million cap next year, as of right now, or close to it. 
someone like that could overpay for a Jamon Brown and might, you know, set the price to be way out of the Rams' comfort zone. And that is why you can't just shake that off of drafting an offensive lineman. It's not about the offensive lineman. It's about, you know, at the end of the day, it's best player available within reason. The reason I say within reason is because the best player on your board is Josh Allen and you're the Rams. That's not who you're picking. It's just not. You have Jared Goff. I mean, you don't need to draft Josh Allen the first round when you have other needs. This is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. So you're just shoring up um, what's left on the the roster. So there's no need to go out and get a quarterback. And there's no need to go out and get a number one receiver in the first round. There's just no need. There's not anyone I would draft in the first round at wide receiver anyway. So really, we talked Isaiah Wynn. We talked uh, Will Hernandez. I think Harold Landry would be a great fit, but I just don't see him falling. Um, Marcus Davenport would be a great fit. Don't see him falling. I think Rashawn Evans, you know, somebody that can really solidify the inside backer role. I think right after that, you'd be able to designate, either designate Mark Barron uh, for release, uh, the, the June 1st release, and get the full $9 million in cap savings. Or you could trade him. Mark Barron is a great football player. Um, I don't think he's just he's just not really much of a scheme fit in a three four. But in a an attacking four three base scheme, he offers a lot of value. And I know his contract seems big, but it's actually it makes a lot of sense for the production he was putting on. I mean, this is the guy that was leading the team in tackles. Um, you know, the year I believe the year before he was uh, signed. So he's very talented. But my point is, you know, I think the Rams, they might want to go and grab guys that they are comfortable basically, you know, building that mold of 3-4, um, you know, with a guy like Rashawn Evans. And I would make the argument they get Rashawn Evans and then they could get um, his teammate Sean Dion Hamilton from Alabama, double up on the Bama guys, get Hamilton – in the fourth round, you have two fourth-round picks. Get Rashawn Evans in the first. And then in the third, if he's there, I'm really liking the idea of uh, getting Josh Sweat. I worry his stock is going to go up because teams are going to realize he wasn't used correctly at Florida State, but they see, obviously, he's just an elite athlete and uh, he's going to go in like the early second. I could totally see that, um, but that's the guy I would want. And then I think in the fourth round... You know, I mentioned Sean Dion Hamilton with one of the picks, but I also think the Rams are in a nice position. They could get Hamilton at the end of the fourth with the Giants uh, late, um, the second of their four, their their fourth round picks um, that they gave up via the Alec Ultry trade, and I, I think the Rams are in good, good position um, because of the pick they got from Miami, the eleventh uh, pick in the um, fourth round they could get Shaquem Griffin. And I think Shaquem Griffin would be like replacing Barron, that do-it-all guy. He has more ability to really be an edge rusher, though, and be able to be that situational pass rusher and be that sub-package guy that you can just use all over the field like a Swiss Army knife. And I think that is something that the Rams are seriously going to consider. And then the fifth round, I think there's just so much running back talent in this draft. It's it's uncanny. Um, but I think, you know, you could look at a Naheem... Uh, Naheem Harris, um, I, I think, uh, sorry, Naeem Hines uh, from NC State, his teammate, J uh, Jalen Samuels, 
Um, Kalen Bellage out of Arizona State, he'd be like my number one guy. Um, Ito Smith out of Southern Miss. Martez Carter out of Grambling. Um, there, there's a lot of guys. Um, John Kelly out of Tennessee. There, There's going to be guys to get for that, that scat back role that I think is going to be um, vital. But as previously mentioned, if the Rams pull the trigger on Mike Davis, I think that would be um, kind of that, kind of setting the table like, okay, you know, we have that, that insurance and, and we have Malcolm Brown and, and Mike Davis would at least offer that, you know, backup. Um, I really like the idea of giving uh, Andre Ellington another shot because I think Ellington is really talented as a receiver. Um, the only issue is his health. It's a matter of him staying healthy. I think, uh, you know, Arizona a couple years back tried to turn him into a bell cow back, and it just did not work because of his health. So I think that's somebody that would be interesting. But you can definitely see why the Rams are interested in Mike Davis if they do miss out on that running back that they want. But another thing, the Rams don't have a second-round pick, so they need to be very sparing uh, they need to use these picks sparingly. I mean, they they can't just. It, it it's a, it's kind of a fine line between you know picking best available, and picking somebody that you really just don't need at all. Um, I mean, I can see the Rams drafting their center of the future, but you know Sullivan was signed for two years, so I don't think they need to do something like that. I think they met with Nick Gates, uh, from I believe Wisconsin. It's either Wisconsin or Nebraska. It's some red and white team. I know that <laughs> such great professionalism there, but um, his name, obviously, it's not right in front of me, but I know the Rams met with him at his pro day. He's an interesting uh, fifth-round option for offensive tackle. Um, Brandon Parker at NCANT. Just guys that I don't see the Rams going out and getting a left tackle that can play right away. They don't need one, so I think they're going to go developmental-wise. As far as inside linebacker, I think it's really Rashawn Evans or you, you look at a Micah Kaiser later on in the draft or Christian Sam or, you know, Sean Deion Hamilton as the, you know, your go-to guy. But I'll say this right now, guys. I am all aboard the Corey Littleton train to start at inside linebacker. I think he's earned it. He was the Rams rookie of the year, the year he uh, he was basically pushed behind due to the stupid Pac-12 NCAA rules where he had to finish graduating before he could play in the NFL. That actually put him way behind the eight ball. Um, He started late in the OTAs and made the roster, just like I predicted. Um, I really like him. His ability, and, and this is the crazy thing, guys, he is actually a really good pass rusher, and I actually viewed him as an edge rusher coming out of Washington. But he has just transformed his ability to play inside. Um, and he's so athletic that I just I really like the idea of using him. And I always compared him to, and maybe this is wrong, but I always compared him to um, Shaquille Barrett, a guy that we all really liked. And uh, we're hoping the Rams would be able to acquire uh, one of Wade Phillips' uh, guys. Now, the reason I, I did that is because I felt like uh, he was more of an edge guy and, and offered the same things that um, Barrett did. So, you know, I think that'd be really key to have, you know, an in-house guy like Littleton on the cheap. Um, you know, he gets a really 
I think if he gets he has a really nice season, I think you could see um, an extension of like a three year, uh, you know, maybe an eighteen or, or twenty one million dollar deal. The Rams are going to have a lot of cap, and I think to me that that's going to be cheap for somebody like that. Littleton is still extremely young, and he has minimal starting experience. So if you find out that he is that guy, that would be huge. Um, and, and I don't think that Barron is totally gone, but I don't think he's totally there you know, either. I, I'm probably 50-50 on Barron, and I would be fine keeping him. I don't think like the linebackers, I do think they're in need, but I could totally see why the Rams wouldn't go after somebody like that, You know, especially if you feel you've put the pieces around. It's kind of like for the quarterback, you know, does, do, do you really need another quarterback? You have Jared Goff, who has shown that he's fully capable of throwing the football with accuracy, timing, placement, and, uh, you know, arm strength. Why would you, you know, grab another quarterback now that, you know, he has weapons and he's proved himself? It's kind of like with the defense, you know, you, you put, you know, Indomitian Sue, Aaron Donald, and Michael Brockers, you know, as the, the front three. And then, you know, say Samson Ibukam and Josh Sweat or, you know, an already key. And then it's like, do you really need, like, top-notch inside linebackers, especially with the secondary you have? I mean, you really don't. But you can – that is – that's the the key is, you know, the way they build this team is going to be very interesting because they can actually decide to go more athletic and just have guys that are just going to fly all around the field at will. And – I think that's going to be the avenue that um, Wade Phillips is going to want to to take. I, I think they are going to want that type of team where you know they just have a bunch of bodies just flying all over the place. Um, it, it's just great to have that athleticism, and I could definitely see that being the case. Um, as far as and I know there are a ton of people that want that inside linebacker. And I get that. I actually was really bummed that Avery Williamson was gone. That was my guy. As you guys know, I really pounded the table for him. Um, that didn't work. It seemed like Todd Davis. I kind of basically I I settled on Todd Davis, and then he gets re-signed for a three-year deal with the Denver Broncos. The, the guys that are left that are really interesting to me, Jarrell Freeman, who has played in this type of defense and uh you know he, he suffered a um season ending injury which was unfortunate but this is somebody that has played at a consistent level and just is one of the quietest elite players that you'll ever see. No one talks about him, but he puts up these elite numbers. You watch the film, he's just great. Um and then I would also say Navarro Bowman is another guy where ever since the injury and uh he left San Francisco, I've said this before you know, people saw that that primetime game when he was with the Raiders. And they saw, you know, him missing tackles and he just seemed really rusty. I don't think anyone followed him, um, or the Raiders for that matter, the rest of the year, besides Raiders fans. And Navarro Bowman really had a great year. Um, I believe he was he was ranked eleventh overall linebacker uh by Pro Football Focus, and that's all linebackers. So I guess really what I'm saying is, you know, there are still options out there. Uh, Corey Toomer, former Ram, uh, he had a really good year in L.A. for the Chargers. He'd be an interesting option, although I don't know if you really want him to start. Same thing with Kevin Minter, who kind of had a down year. 
Um, but I, I definitely think it's interesting. And another, another really interesting thing I want to bring up, and you know, I talked about this on the last episode with Joe. The Rams had interest in Tyler Eifert. So what should I tell you? Right off the bat, um, we don't know the details. We just know that the Bengals matched their, their contract offer. So right off the bat, I think that tells you that they want a number one tight end. Yeah, I think it tells you that they look at Gerald Everett as a long-term guy, but he's not ready yet, and they kind of sour on Higby. And, I mean, I get that. You know, Tyler Higby did drop that touchdown in crunch time in the playoff game against the Falcons. I totally understand that. Um, Eifer, it was very interesting. That was eye-opening. I think Antonio Gates, I think Levine Toilolo, I think Luke Wilson, Eric Ebron, those are four tight ends that I'd be looking at. But Tyler Eifer makes me really interested to know because, look, it sounds crazy, and they might not have a lot of money left when they get Indomitian Sue, which I believe they will on a one-year deal. But I would almost – I'm just going to say this right now. Gronk to L.A. We we talked about this on the podcast last week. If Rob Gronkowski came to Los Angeles for uh, – you know, on a trade where, you know, the Rams basically swapped the 23rd pick to go down to 31 with the, the Patriots – um and maybe offered some picks. I get the 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 value, but I, I mean, you know, you you talk about adding Rob Gronkowski to this team. I mean, what what was the the Rams and Sean McVay's biggest weakness on offense? Do you know? Because I do. It was the red zone, red zone efficiency. Left a lot of points out there. I mean. That is, that's the issue, and I think that's something that Rob Gronkowski would help immediately in, and we're talking about Gronkowski in a similar offense as the Patriots. We're talking about, you know, those those little pick plays to get guys open one-on-one. We're talking about Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. We're talking about a competent football player and a competent leader and quarterback in Jared Goff. You're talking about Todd Gurley, so... There's a lot of pieces around there where all of a sudden, if you put Gronkowski on this team, man, there's a lot of weapons. And there may not be a lot of, uh, there might be too many cooks in the kitchen, but if Gronkowski is winning a title, is it really going to matter? <laughs> he's 28 years old, so he's not old, despite the fact everyone seems to think he is extremely old. And I get that. He's already the greatest player to ever play the position at 28 years old. I get that. But he is not old. I'll take him at 28 years old. I'll also take him because of that recent NBC Boston report that he is unhappy. And then that tweet about Danny Amendola leaving saying, you know, be free, go be free, you know, be happy in uppercase letters. I think it's safe to say, I mean, I know it's just a tweet, but I think it's safe to say Gronkowski does not feel, you know, his self-worth, you know, equals what, what the Patriots think about him. He knows his self-worth and, and he does not feel, um, he doesn't feel happy anymore. And, and look, I, I get it. Whatever. It's a business. Sob story, Gronk, you know, sob story, Gronk. I mean, you're making all that money, but you know, in reality, if Gronkowski wants to go to LA, I mean, guys, it's LA. You have that again. What did I mention earlier? The young coach, 
You know, you have th- those guys in in the locker room. I mean, now you're starting to have that locker room kind of like uh, Seattle. You know, Pete Carroll was all about letting guys just speak up and, and be themselves and be aggressive and be, you know, out of control like Michael Bennett and Richard Sherman, egotistical, all that crap. And, you know, it doesn't always work, but I don't think Ronkowski is a bad guy. And I don't think the Rams have any bad guys in the locker room. I think they have some misunderstood guys. I think Tlaib at times has, you know, had those issues on the field um, with the eye poking, really. The chain doesn't bother me. I don't really have any care in the world about that. And the the Peters thing where he threw the flag in the uh, the stands, I mean, did he punch a ref? See, like, I don't know. I mean, I remember William Hayes who, who you know, played played the game about as – as classy as anybody and he accidentally knocked a a referee's hat off when he was grabbed from behind and he got kicked out of the game he made contact with an official I get but like I just think that that stuff gets a little overblown now with Gronkowski the one thing that really stuck out in my mind was when he got so pissed he went completely out of character after a play um, it was an interception by rookie Tredavious White on Buffalo, and he makes the play, and afterwards Gronkowski, since he was holding him, Gronkowski comes over and levels him uh, with his elbow, which is covered by his brace. He concusses Tredavious White. That was not a good look for Gronkowski. I think that's when all of a sudden people, including myself, who have liked Gronkowski his whole career, started to kind of not really turn a blind eye, really start to look at this guy and think, you know, how how legit is this type of player? But, you know, maybe that could be, you know, speaking about how he feels in New England. Maybe, you know, he, he went out of character in that regard. I mean, it, it's probing. It Some of it's kind of ridiculous. But you have to keep in mind, guys, this is how, you know, these little things where he's not happy. You know, this is how guys like that end up getting traded. I mean, it's exactly how guys like that end up getting traded. This is how Marcus Peters ended up getting traded. You know, I mean, Marcus Peters requested a trade from from the the sources that uh, you know, were put out there. And I mean, the the coaching staff they looked at it and they're like, we're not going to pay him long term. He doesn't fit what you know we we want in the locker room. So, I guess you know it it would be. It'd be ridiculous to for the Rams to spend, you know, a first rounder next year and, you know, move down in the first round this year for Gronkowski, but I think maybe they could incorporate Barron in the deal. You wanna tell me that if the Rams acquired, you know, Akeeb Talib, Marcus Peters, and Dominican Sue and Rob Gronkowski, they're not Super Bowl favorites. Like, not just contenders. They have to be the favorites. I mean, am I wrong? Jared Goff, no big deal. He's throwing a Rob Gronkowski, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, Gerald Everett, Todd Gurley. I mean, really? And he's got a blindside protector and Andrew Whitworth, who had a really good season last year. And by, you know, Brian Baldinger's take, uh, the best guard in football in Roger Saffold. Really solid center in John Sullivan, who's now back. And then a solid bunch of guys on the right side with Jamon Brown and, and Rod Havenstein. You want to tell me that they're not going to be the, the Super Bowl favorites if they land those guys? Gronkowski, guys. I mean, 
it, it's crazy. And, and, you know, I get it if you guys are not cool with that. But you have to think, I mean, is this team really, I mean, they're, they're trying to establish, you know, this movement. They're trying to establish a, a consistent winner. But they also definitely want to win a Super Bowl before Jared Goff's incredibly affordable deal is up. And that's what they're trying to do. So, I mean, in my opinion, I mean, they're they're in the driver's seat right now. They can afford to make that move. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly how much it would cost. I do think, though, it's very interesting if the, you know, the Patriots did want to move up to 23. It's totally out of their realm. They don't really move up for anybody. But 23, I mean, somebody like Lamar Jackson, if he were to fall, maybe the Patriots grab their next quarterback or something. I lean towards the idea that Kyle Lawletta will be a Patriot since that was the guy that I handpicked that I really liked, and I just can totally see him end up being a Patriot. Same thing with, with Luke Falk and Mason Rudolph. So I think one, one of those three guys wanted to be a Patriot. But, hey, I mean, you know, I don't think they'd, they'd turn that down. If they have to get rid of Gronk, if he's not ha- you know, if he's not happy, he wants more money, whatever, I could totally see that. And I could also see it. Because I could see people saying, well, that's it's going to be too much. But you have to keep in mind that Rob Gronkowski is 28. He's not 24. So that will um, you know knock his price down a little bit. And this is somebody that has serious injury concerns. So you're taking a giant risk as far as his injuries go. I think you wouldn't have to give up a whole lot. And moving down from 23 to 31 and giving up maybe another pick or so, you're like maybe a fourth rounder, fifth rounder, maybe at worst a third rounder next year. I just to me, I I think you do that. I think you're in the driver's seat. You know, you you see the Super Bowls right in front of you. You go and you get that. You chase that. So, I'm really interested to hear what you guys think because uh, I know it's very bold, um, but I do think that that would be an option. I think that'd be, um a great option uh, for both parties. I think, you know, Rob Gronkowski gets to go to LA. He gets to, you know, quote unquote, be free and happy. And uh, the Rams get their, their big time uh, red zone threat, which guys, if you thought the Rams offense was fun to watch last year with the fact that, you know, they were the number one scoring offense, just wait until they move that, that point. Uh, You know, basically the, their output if they were to have Gronkowski in the red zone, you're probably talking they're averaging 36, 37, uh, yeah, around 36, 37 points per game. I mean, there's no reason why they, they couldn't be like the Atlanta Falcons the year Matt Ryan won the MVP. I just, to me, I definitely, I could see that. Um, But yeah, as I said, I, can, I cannot wait to see the responses I get because that is going to be love or hate. That's going to be, I want Gronk. That's I'm going to get... I'm going to get replies where, well, how do you do that without paying Aaron Donald? I'm going to get all different replies, but I'm definitely interested to see that. Um, Guys, I think the Rams are really building something special. I think there's also a reason they've been relatively quiet in free agency. Look, I get they're probably, you know, working on a deal for Aaron Donald. They're probably working on that deal for LaMarcus Joyner. Um, But they've, you know, been pretty quiet. And now all of a sudden they're in, they're in on Indomitian Sue. I think you could make the argument 
Jonathan Hankins, if they miss out on the Indomitian Sioux sweepstakes, Hankins makes a lot of sense. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely put money that, um, and I wouldn't put a ton of money, but if I have to make a prediction right now, I think Indomitian Sioux is a Ram. And I think that you have to basically tune in to see if the Rams do make that bold move and the Patriots make that bold move, letting Gronkowski go, you know, via trade. Cause I think if, if Gronkowski is traded, then I think the Rams are the perfect destination. And I would make the argument, you know, in this draft, the Patriots have already found their, their next tight end. They're used to Gronk being hurt. What, what was the, the, uh, the record without him? 22-5, and five, something like that? I mean, they don't need him as far as stats go, you know, this, that track record. There are guys like uh, Dallas Goddard, Mike Gesicki, Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews. There's some really good tight ends in this class. Likewise for the Rams. So you tell me, you know, if Mike Kosicki's there in the third round, which he won't be, I think that'd be a very interesting move because I that's somebody I saw in Mobile, and, I mean, he's as crisp of a route runner as it gets. May not be the best blocker in the world, and I think that's one thing that Gronkowski gets a little uh, underrated for, but he's the best blocker in the league, and he's the best receiver in the league at the position. So I think that there's, there's a lot to like about this scenario. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we'll see. Are the Rams going to make another bold move? Are they not? I think, you know, with Les Needs' track record, I think he's established himself around the league as somebody that will make that move. And I think now... The Rams are a team that will get the call. Maybe before, you know, you, you look at the Cleveland Browns who made a lot of moves before. Maybe they were the team that always got those calls where, oh, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking to get rid of so-and-so. And, you know, you guys, you know, you trade a lot and you're, you're looking at new players. Uh, maybe you guys are interested. But now I feel like the Rams are going to be that team that gets called a ton. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I definitely think it will be interesting. Um it's just crazy, you know, if you told me last year the Rams were going to end up with uh, Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, and Dominican Sue. I mean, I would have called you nuts, but, I mean, here we are. And, and maybe I would have been wrong because is it really that nuts to want to play in Los Angeles for the best team in L.A.? Is it really that nuts to want to play for the best up-and-coming coach in football? Is it really that nuts to play, want to play under Wade Phillips, who's arguably one of the greatest defensive coordinators in the history of the sport? Is it really that nuts to want to play if you're a receiver, want to get uh, passes, um, you know, re- receive passes from Jared Goff, you know, play under that young, up-and-coming star power at quarterback? Is it nuts to want to block for the, the best running back in the league in Todd Gurley? Or is it nuts to want to play next to Aaron Donald, who is the best player in all of football? I don't really think it is. <laughs> so I think this is just the start of uh, a bigger movement. You know, similar to how the Vikings, they were able to get, I believe, they got Sheldon Richardson, which is crazy. And I lost track of everybody the Eagles got. I know they they got Lodi Nada, I believe, that's where we're headed with the Rams. That 
it's exactly what's going to end up happening. You're going to have, I mean, we're already having people on social media say how it's basically not fair that Donald and uh, Indomitian Sue would be on the same team. I just find that so funny. I mean, <laughs> it's all of a sudden we've gone from the Rams being four and 12, which I just didn't think was fair. You had the hard knocks where, you know, you, you finally got a chance to really see inside, um, you know, inside the organization. And then you had all or nothing, which you really got to see inside the organization. And then all for not, it was basically just a four and 12 season. And then this next year, you know, they go 11 and five, they make the playoffs. And now in Sean McVay's second year, who is just a 31 year old head coach, or now he's 32, I believe 32 year old head coach. And now all of a sudden, yeah, you know, I mean, the Rams are, uh, they're one of the teams that are basically making waves on, um, you know, social media, you know, people are saying it's not fair, the combinations that they're coming up with no big deal. Oh, and by the way, the Rams are still a Super Bowl contender, even though they lost Tremaine Johnson and Sammy Watkins. But, you know, no big deal, right? I mean, think about it, guys. The Rams didn't need Sammy Watkins or Tremaine Johnson because of the way that they approached this offseason. And they haven't done anything in free agency. They've just brought in Sam Shields, like I said. But, you know, the the way they've been able to set themselves up with these trades, it's very interesting. And on top of that, you know, the coaches, has ha- they've had a year on with these players. And because of that, you know, when you're installing a new defense or an offense, you can pick out guys from a previous regime be like, all right, that guy is now my player. That's not a Fisher player. That's a, that's a my player. Well, not getting rid of him. And I think in that regard, I think you're looking at Corey Littleton, LaMarcus Joyner, I mean, Todd Gurley. Jared Goff, obviously Aaron Donald. I mean, you just you look at those players and you're like M- Michael Brockers. You're just like, nope, that that's my player. Under no circumstances am I getting rid of him. I don't care if Fisher drafted him. I don't care if Fisher coached him. I don't care if he's Fisher's best friend. No, not getting rid of him. So, guys, it, it's going to be a fun one. Um, we're over the the hour mark, uh, so. You know, I'm just going to wrap this up here. I appreciate you guys bearing with me. Uh, (laughs) I'm sitting here probably feeling as as bad as I could possibly feel, Um, not emotionally, but just physically, you know, just pretty run down. I guess, uh, you know, the Northeast weather's just kicking my butt. But um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been the Downtown Rams podcast, episode number 71. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. Sorry, I could not get a a guest on here, co-host, and uh, I wasn't really able to string this out as long as I normally do, or take questions for that matter. This was kind of like me rambling on, so I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, As for me and as for uh, Joe Curley, we will be on the podcast on Friday, episode number 72, and we'll be back in full force to talk about hopefully what... I believe uh, will be the news of Indomitian and Sue signing with the Rams on a one-year deal that could be worth up to $10 million with incentives. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Once again, Downtown Rams Podcast. I'm signing off. You guys have a great night, and I'll talk to you guys Friday. Take care.
Los Angeles. When will you see?